If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And yes, I'm your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Questions, comments, thoughts, your adoration and praise will also be accepted <laughs> via the email channel. Also, Huff Hotline always there as well, 317-455-5250. Good to be here. Thank you for Joining us today, today we have a special guest. Now, you know if you've listened to this program for any length of time that we don't do a lot of interviews. I try to be selective. I try to spend more time with the guests that we have on the program versus having a lot of guests on and giving them a couple minutes. Nothing aggravates me more. When I'm watching a program and I see up next they have so-and-so, special guest or whatever, going to talk to him or her about this or that, they get to that person. Literally, they get one question. Sometimes there's two people that are being interviewed, and it's a, I don't know, sometimes it seems like it's a 90-second segment, maybe less than that. And I find myself wondering, what did I just subject myself to? What in the world did I learn from that? Um and it's why it's one of the reasons why we live in a soundbite culture. And I think if we're going to persuade, which this show is about persuading, persuading those who don't agree with us, I hope that we cover some things that help with that. And of course, we're developing our CNBU, Conservative Not Bitter University, which is designed specifically to help people become more effective conservatives, better at raising. Uh, children with conservative values, better at being more persuasive with those who maybe don't agree, some techniques and ways to communicate, and also recognizing when it's not appropriate. You know, some people think that, hey, just because I, you know, I believe this, that everyone that I speak with should suddenly, I should snap my fingers and they agree with me. It's not the way that this works. This is an ongoing an ongoing process is a never-ending process. There's always going to be people who need to understand what it is that makes America great. There's always going to be people who need to understand uh, these these fundamental truths upon which America was built, is built. They have to understand the cost. They have to understand the role of government. This doesn't happen anymore, by and large, in the public schools. This doesn't happen anymore by consuming general 
general media and other information that's available on the interwebs. None of that stuff is, I think, taught in uh, kind of the pop culture world or even the public education world. There's always exceptions. There's exceptions of fantastic teachers who adhere to the the Constitution. They teach their their students uh, really what it means to be American, not in the sense of taking away identity, but in the sense of what it means in the history of the of the landscape of the world for there to be a country like the United States of America and what it is that makes it different, what those American values and principles are and why they are, in fact, better than alternatives. Does it mean that we're better? We've talked about this many times. We're not better by our DNA. We're not better because of our genetics or anything like that. In fact, America has been referred to as the great melting pot. But there is still something that means that we are distinctively American, right? There's, that, that is that is a um, – that means something. It should mean something, and we've, I think, lost a degree of that. So all these things play together in where we stand as a nation and as a culture. And so I want to talk today – I had a conversation yesterday afternoon with someone that I've admired for a long, long time. And that's Dr. Victor Davis Hansen. Dr. Victor Davis Hansen, senior fellow at the Hoover Institution. He is a uh, very intelligent, intellectual uh, conservative. He is, again, someone that I've admired uh, listening to him when he's made appearances elsewhere or reading some of the things that he has has written. He he posts articles in many places from his website to National Review. I think I've seen him, um, you know, and in Primus before. Um, Fox News is where I saw the, the article that he and I spoke about. In fact, I guess I'll start by by referencing that. I don't have that even pulled up here at the moment. Let me pull that up. But there's a Fox News article where he compares he compares uh, from a historical perspective the election of 1944 hang in there with me because everyone's thinking the election of 1944 what's this guy well it's interesting you look at the history of the it was the final election of fdr Uh, fdr actually won four terms as president that's this is back in the days before we had the uh, term limits where only, someone could only serve as president for two terms. And so FDR had won his fourth. Of course, we're in the midst of World War II, actually near the end of World War II. FDR had actually had, um, at this point in time, two different vice presidents. <clears throat> and the one that was currently serving with him was a, had socialist tendencies. And so there were fears. There were fears from the democratic establishment, if you will, that they didn't want to nominate, um, have on the ticket with FDR a vice presidential candidate who was a socialist, given that we were fighting, uh, getting concerned about socialism with the growth of the Soviet Union and so forth. And we could see these things, even though we were working alongside them and fighting the Nazis, 
We also understood, many did at the time, or at least some, some did at the time, that this was not going to be something that was, um, that was, it was anti-American, this ideology. And so the Democrats, knowing that FDR was in bad health, he was a smoker, he was, um, he was uh, stricken with polio, um, he had many health problems, and they didn't expect or they had questions of you know, whether or not he had the health to survive another term. In fact, he died three months into his, his final term as president. And so there was a fight. That sounds familiar, right? I mean, there's a fight. Biden, we got Biden today. People are questioning his uh, abilities to make decisions. And we, you know, d- just from the, the sense of... Um, his cognitive abilities. I'm not trying to be crude or anything here. And yes, the guys always had gaffes, but we're the things that we've seen now cause people, even within the party, to question that. So then what does Biden do for vice president? And this matters because people wonder what if he isn't? And what if he is elected and what if he isn't able to fulfill his duties? Or he's rather even that aside, he said he's only going to serve one term. So then is he not, in fact, choosing? the de facto candidate of the Democrat Party in 2024. So there's a lot of similarities. Dr. Victor Davis Hansen kind of talks with me about that, explains some things, casts some light on this. It's an interesting conversation, fascinating individual, and I'm glad that we have him on the program. So I'm going to take an early break here, early break here, so that we can fit this in. He and I spoke for about 20 minutes, so I've got to take a quick time out, come back, and I'll share that conversation with Dr. Uh, Dr. Hansen, when we return, quick time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back here in just a minute. Welcome back. So in order to keep us on our schedule as best as possible. We're going to be a little bit off the schedule simply because I talked with Dr. Hansen for about 20 minutes. But let me share this conversation I had yesterday afternoon with Dr. Victor Davis Hansen, Senior Fellow, Hoover Institution. Hope you enjoy our conversation. It is my great honor today to have on the phone with us author, columnist, and senior fellow at the Hoover Institution, Dr. Victor Davis Hansen. Dr. Hansen, thank you so much for joining us, sir. How are you today? Very good. Thank you for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. And so I've been uh, looking here at, a, at an op-ed you published sometime last week comparing the 1944 a process of choosing a VP for the Democrats uh, to the situation we find ourselves in today with Biden and the very important choice uh, for his VP in 2020. So can you go back and maybe set the stage and give us some background on what was maybe going on back in 1944 during that campaign? Well, remember that FDR had a vice president for eight years, uh, Henry Wallace. It was who was a socialist and people were kind of didn't really pay much attention. John Nance Gardner had been a vice presidential running mate and vice president prior to that. 
So after 12 years, people really didn't know whether FDR would or could run for a fourth term. It was shocking enough he ran for three and was elected each time. But more importantly, it was World War II. The country was in a crisis. Uh, there had been the D-Day landings. FDR, who was suffering from either polio or Jalom Bar syndrome, was paralyzed. He had been for years. He was a two-martini evening drinker. He was a smoker. And he was in terrible physical condition. At 62, people thought that he would probably die. It was covered up, but his blood pressure ranged over 200 in the systolic range, at least. So the idea was, whoever, if he is to run for a fourth term, we can't have, we being the Democratic Party, we can't have Wallace on a ticket. He'll be a first socialist president. Therefore, at the convention, they eased him out of the vice presidency, put a rather unknown Harry Truman, who was a centrist from Missouri, on the ticket. Roosevelt was elected. He didn't last 90 days, tragically died in April of 1945. Truman became president. And suddenly the vice presidency that year was very important. Since then, it hasn't been. We don't know the names. I don't think most people mm -hmm. remember who Sergeant Shriver was or Jack Kemp, whether they these losing candidates or even, you know, ones that won. I don't think people remember that Nelson Rockefeller was vice president for a while. But my point is this year, the Democrats believe that because Biden is leading in the polls that he will be president. And they also quietly and to themselves believe that based on his campaign performances before the lockdown and his videos during the lockdown, he's not able to last very long under the stresses of the job. So and you add to that equation the fact that at a happier time, he promised in order to win the primary and win the votes of South Carolina, for example, and Nevada, that he would have a minority candidate, a woman or a minority, as his vice president running mate. And people didn't pay much attention. Now they do, because he is going to be the nominee. And that means that people that are sort of heartthrobs like Andrew Cuomo won't be eligible and he also has a sexual assault charge against him. And you put all of those uh, perfect storm ingredients into the equation, and it's it's very hard to decipher, but I would suggest that the Democrats would like him uh, either off the ticket, but they can't because he has the most delegates, and the runner-up would been be Bernie Sanders, mm -hmm. which was the whole point of the Biden campaign, to deny him. Uh, the nomination and Michael Bloomberg tried as well to do that or they would like to carry him across the finish line and uh, then have a very progressive candidate like Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris or even Hillary Clinton as the vice president with the understanding that none of these candidates would ever win the presidency nor would their agenda that has been largely refuted in the Democratic primary be viable in normal circumstances, but as vice president, they may end up president and the agenda may be reified. That's right. And especially with Biden out there, I mean, he's on record. Of course, he says a lot of things, but he's on record as saying he's only going to be a one-term president if he's elected anyway. So it's assumed that the person who's the vice presidential choice is going to be the 2020 uh, presidential nominee, although there's no guarantee in that, but that seems to be a... Um, definite possibility as we move into the, yeah. the future. I think that's right. And I think there were certain 
black swan events that the Democratic establishment didn't anticipate. They thought that they had been feeling pretty good after the Kavanaugh hearings. They, all women must be believed, even during the Weinstein embarrassments, because mm-hmm. most of the people were progressives. But they never imagined that Joe Biden would have the same type of Kavanaugh-like experience. I think their attitude was suddenly women must not be believed if they accuse progressive presidential candidates. And then people started to think this last week, well, wait a minute, I'll be a hypocrite and I'll be two-faced, but I'm not going to be a hypocrite and two-faced for a candidate that might not be viable. Mm -hmm. So now there's people who suggest, well, as a progressive, I might be able to also reestablish my feminist fidelity by suggesting that Biden address those charges and if he can't address them maybe he should get off the ticket and therefore we kill two birds with one stone and reopen the nomination to someone who's not only more viable but more progressive so that that's another problem and then i think the democratic establishment never really believed that joe biden had serious cognitive challenges and issues i think they thought well he's exhausted he's 77 this lockdown will put him in this basement. We'll have fireside chats from his mm-hmm. videos, and he'll critique Trump, and he he will show the, the American people that he's not, you know, impaired. And what happened was just the opposite. Mm-hmm. He tried to speak extemporaneously, and that didn't work. Then he went to the script, and he lost his place. And then finally, his wife sat by by him. And the fact is that on any given day. He can't remember everything about what he's supposed to say on a script. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know who he's talking to sometimes. And it's kind of embarrassing. It's sad. And it had the opposite effect. So now they're looking at the polls and they're saying, well, the more that we keep him in the basement and we don't hear from him, the more we attack Trump, the better Biden does. And so you can see the campaign is going to be a virtual one. No debate with Donald Trump. Get, pick his cabinet in advance, pick his Supreme Court justices in advance, get some of them out on the campaign trail, get a very vigorous uh, identity politics VP and carry mm-hmm. him across the finish line. So do you think that there's you, – you alluded to maybe this pipe dream of sorts for some in the Democrat Party. Do you think that there's any legitimate possibility that Biden will not end up being the nominee somehow? Oh, Absolutely. Okay. I think there's a 30, 30 or 35% chance at least. And the reason I say that is that as someone who's seen people in my family with cognitive issues in their 70s, it's not an arithmetic progression. It's a geometric. And you can see that, that what he is saying now and what he doesn't say now are much more uh, manifest than they were, let's say, a year ago when the campaign started last summer. Mm-hmm. And the rest and relaxation and the hiatus from the campaigning did not help because they're not predicated on just physical you know, rest or contrarily exhaustion. But he's got some very serious problems. And he's had two, I think, major brain operations earlier. And this is in addition to Joe, the fact that Joe Biden wasn't always a careful, sober, and judicious speaker. Mm-hmm. He was sort of sloppy in his language before these issues arose. So I think they're going to intensify and they're going to get embarrassing. And because the Democratic Convention in Milwaukee has been delayed a month, the Democrats have time. So what they're going to do is they're going to see if he's able to issue videos 
and get on television, MSNBC, CNN. If he cannot do that, there's going to be real talk at the convention of reopening uh, the selection process. So how would that? And how? that's going to that, that's going that's going to be very difficult because it would require a, a judgment that he's not healthy or capable, and then. 10 or 20 percent of the Democratic electorate are solid young voters for Bernie Sanders. And in key state, they're not a very large number that will say out. Mm -hmm. They're not. But they are larger than the never Trumpers in 2016. And so what I'm getting at is that in states like Pennsylvania or Michigan or Ohio, uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Florida, they could play a great role in the election if they become ostracized and disenchanted. So what does this mechanically look like if they get to the convention? Biden has a majority of delegates and they decide, yeah. look, this guy, this guy can't do it. He's cognitively unable to do this. He's, you know, uh, this is not a victory uh, for us if we put him on the ballot. What, how do they, what do they do? How does that, how does that transpire? Well, they, well I mean, all political parties, have a de euro and a de jure and a de facto way of operating. And we, we can see that with the Democratic Party especially, that they will find a revision in the rules or they will adjudicate it accordingly if they think, feel that he his nomination and his campaign and his candidacy means they're going to lose the Senate, excuse me, the House. Mm -hmm. And they may not take back the Senate and they won't get two or three uh, Supreme Court judges over the next eight years. And Donald Trump, their worst nightmare, would be present for four years. So that's the reality. And it make, the, the details are insignificant. They can vote or they can do something and, and they will do what they need to, what has to be done. They'll make the necessary adjustments. And it'll all depend on whether Joe Biden can get back on a campaign trail in a manner that he was like, say, January of 2020 or December of 2019. He wasn't very impressive, and that's why he was way behind. But compared to the alternative, that was Bernie Sanders, mm -hmm. uh, people preferred him. So we got to remember to go back. Why is he the nominee right now? Because he lost uh, Iowa, he lost New Hampshire, he was written off. And the answer was that the two candidates that they ended up with Michael Bloomberg, the billion-dollar savior, was an awful campaigner, mm -hmm. an awful debater, and obnoxious, and people just were turned off by him. And Bernie Sanders scared the living daylights out of the Democratic donor class, mm -hmm. most mainstream Democrats. And then they said, you know what? Cory Booker, Julian Castro, Pete Buttigieg, these people are way out on left field. Let's bring back old Joe. That was the collective voice of the Democratic mainstream and so they did in those last primaries and the rest of them have been canceled uh that bernie might have had a second win and i don't think bernie sanders really wants to be president he's had a heart attack he's a year older than biden but i think he wants to be treated with respect and he doesn't want to just be pushed away when he spent a whole year of his life accumulating the second highest number of delegates so he either wants to be a kingmaker or he wants to insist that there's a younger progressive Elizabeth Warren on a ticket or Michelle Obama or I don't know about Hillary. But they're going to have to do something if this uh, other side of Biden continues. And we haven't seen it very much lately because they've been very careful not to let him speak to the American people. Mm -hmm. When he goes on 
television, it's it's sad. He gets the number of deaths wrong by a magnitude of 10. Mm-hmm. Six, you know, instead of saying 60,000 have perished, he says 600,000. He makes up words. He, he loses his place in the script. He looks over for help from his host or his wife. And it, it's very sad. And I think a lot of people will resent the idea that his family, his wife, or the Democratic establishment put him in such a, a difficult position because I'm not sure that he himself was aware that he's not capable of being a serious presidential candidate. I, mean, I say that not from a partisan point of sure, view. Sure. I just don't think that. I think there were moments in Ronald Reagan's last year in, as presidency, as president, that were very trying for him, and his wife had to take a very prominent role. And Reagan was much more astute and alert than Biden is now. Mm-hmm. So one more question, and I'll, I'll let you go. But let's assume that Biden does weather this storm. Let's say that he's able to. Uh, to get through and and to convince the the power brokers within the Democrat Party that he is in fact their guy, when he goes to look for his vice presidential running mate, and there's you know we've seen some of the names and so forth. Do you think he's more concerned, Doctor Hansen, with reaching out and appeasing, if you will, the Bernie Bros, the socialist left, and bringing them into the fold, or is he more concerned about the Rust Belt, the Democrat? Uh, uh, the blue dog Democrats, if, to whatever degree those folks still exist, which side does he feel more pulled to, I guess, appease or uh, to speak to with his choice? Well, I'm not sure he knows himself, but I think the people who will make the decision for him will try to square that circle by somebody like Amy Kobachar. In other words, that's from a swing state mm-hmm. and has been interested in economic issues of the middle class government services toward the middle class, and yet as a woman or a minority. And unfortunately, they don't have a mainstream middle-of-the-road minority candidate because what we saw from Cory Booker or Kamala Harris or Julian Castro was pretty left-wing, mm-hmm. and that also applies to Elizabeth Warren, etc. But there's not a lot of people in the Democratic Party that fit that bill. But I think he'll look for a governor more than a, there might be Wilmore in Michigan. She's pretty left-wing, but it'll be somebody from those states. That's where the election's going to be decided. And we know what the mantra or the theme or the agenda of the Biden campaign, if he's the candidate, will be. It will be two or three things. Donald Trump is crude and crass, and we all hate him. And then number one, he did not lock down the country fast enough, and therefore we have X amount of dead by August, it may be 70, 80, 90, 100,000, and then he kept it, and then when the recession is, if the recession's not over, Mm -hmm. it probably won't be, then he kept it locked down too long, and Donald Trump is Herbert Hoover, who ruined the economy. So Trump is, they're going to try to put Trump in a no-win situation. If he locked down the country at the right time, then he ruined the economy, and if he Mm-hmm. waited too long, then he uh, fueled the virus. And so that that's going to be their campaign, run against the virus and Donald Trump, make the two indistinguishable. Mm-hmm. And I, we'll see if it works. I don't think the polls at this point, sure. even if Donald Trump was not an outlier, which he is, by that I mean we never can predict polls with Donald Trump for a variety of reasons. But even if take that issue aside, I mean, it's never... 
all that accurate. Ronald Reagan ran consistently behind uh, Jimmy Carter, as did George H.W. Bush. I think he, he came out of the convention in August, I think 17 points behind Michael Dukakis in 1988. And then Lee Outwater redefined uh, Michael Dukakis in a way that made him uh, not viable. Mm-hmm. And I think so far we've just seen the left attack, but we haven't seen the Trump campaign, uh, except for a few videos, strike back at Joe Biden. And they're going to have to be careful because it's a medical issue and there's mm-hmm. a lot of people who are sensitive to making fun of someone mm-hmm. elderly and, and not fully in, cap- in control of his intellect and cognitive abilities. But they will do that if it's a question of they'll be pretty tough on Biden. And I think he won't be able to respond. I think the biggest issue right now is the Democrats have to change. If they can't change the person, they're going to have to change the process. So I would look for real serious efforts to force mail-in balloting, Hmm. use the coronavirus as an excuse. And uh, I think they would not only have mail mail-in ballots and they think that would help them but there would be a lot of pressure not to have a, a live debate i think they would say you know what we just can't get everybody out there or let's have a zoom debate or uh tape mm-hmm. statements because if they have a regular election where the vote voting is pretty accurate and joe biden has to debate donald trump on three occasions mm-hmm. i don't think it's going to end well for them i think it, i'm not saying that about biden's abilities because he i think in some ways paul ryan who is not a very good debater lost the uh, debate in 2012 to him he just kind of smiled he was tan he looked pretty good and he laughed at, at ryan and ryan didn't had all this data and he couldn't really use it to any successful effort or effect but Biden, I just don't think on his present condition can last three debates with Donald Trump. Oh, I think you're and right. And they won't let it they won't let it happen. I agree with that as well, Dr. Hansen. Dr. Hansen, it is a pleasure to have you. Again, we're with Dr. Victor Davis Hansen, author, columnist, senior fellow at the Hoover Institution. Uh check out his op ed. I'll post this on Facebook, um, talking about the importance of Biden's vice presidential pick and comparing that to FDR's uh, running mate back in 1944. Dr. Hansen, thank you so much for joining us, sir. Thank you. Welcome back. So now I'd love to hear your thoughts on our conversation with Dr. Victor Davis Hansen, what he had to say about Biden's choice. What did you think, by the way? He said, what do you say, a 30% chance that Biden won't be the nominee? I mean, that's that surprised me, if I'm being candid with you, a little bit. I mean, I guess it's always a possibility um, that something dramatic or drastic could happen but it's just not the status the status quo at least in modern modern times right i mean we're not dealing with circumstances here that um i mean this is uncharted waters in some to some extent that's why he's making a, a comparison to something that happened back in 19 1944 so it's just an interesting thing to to think about here as we because this election, this campaign has been put on the proverbial back burner here. 
Biden's been hiding out in his basement. Uh, Biden has not made a lot of, well, he's been making some more appearances, but when he makes these appearances, there's almost always, uh, as Dr. Hansen pointed out, some embarrassing series of events or slips of the tongue or misremembering things. 600,000 dead, as an example, reminds me of when Biden said there were 150 million people that were killed by guns from, I don't know, over a 10-year period or some such thing, dramatically far off from reality. Not even question about it during, that was one of the debates back when we could have, back when we could have debates. But the Democrat Party's in a real pickle here. They really are. And it's, there's multiple, a myriad of uh, negative things that are factoring into this, from Biden not being a strong candidate to uh, the Democrat Party being split to some degree between the socialists and the establishment liberals. There's the allegations made against Biden by Tara Reid. There's the issue with Hunter Biden in Ukraine. There's lots of questions here. Plus, there's there's the Trump factor. You know, if 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 we have an actual real campaign here, what's that going to look like for Joe Biden? Is he going to be on the stage with Trump? I mean, Trump's going to go after the guy. He hasn't gone after him hard yet. I mean, he calls him Sleepy Joe, but he hasn't gone after him yet. So this is um, interesting development, a big decision for the left. And this is not something that Joe Biden's sitting there you know, deciding who he thinks is the most qualified candidate. This is all about identity politics. This is all about superficialities. This is all about how this can look to be a certain way that's hopefully positive from his perspective for his uh, chances of winning the the presidency. And I've got to take a break here. But um, so lots of things to consider here. And I guess when we get back, we can look at some of the names that are on the short list, we we think. We don't even really 100% know. He said there's a dozen a dozen, at least a dozen. Um, the other day I heard him mention that, so who knows? Anyway, the interview, of course, takes me off of the time, the normal time clock, so i got to take a time out here. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Talking with Oz here during the break. I think she was a little surprised too that that folks um, think that Biden, not just you know people on the street. Doctor Victor Davis Hanson actually believes that it's quite possible that Joe Biden won't end up being the nominee. And again, I asked him, "What's this mechanically look like?" How do you get there? Because Biden is going to have a majority of delegates. Those are the rules. And, of course, the answer is is obvious. It doesn't make sense or compute, but the answer is they'll simply change. They'll change the rules. They'll find some technicality. The delegates will get together and they'll say, uh, again, the power brokers will call a meeting behind closed doors, whoever that includes, you know, the big money Democrats, of which there are many, even though people want you to believe that the party, the Republican Party is full of the fat cats, so to speak. But the Democrats are going to have a meeting behind closed doors. 
they're going to say, I mean, this is possible. I'm not predicting this. I'm just saying what he was, what he was basically saying is, look, Biden is not our guy. We've given him every chance in the book. Um, he had a chance to kind of recuperate, rest, not be in the limelight during this whole COVID-19 thing. Every time he stuck his head out of the proverbial foxhole here, every time he poked his head out of the basement, he caused problems for himself. The guy is not able to go head-to-head with Donald Trump. He's going to get metaphorically beaten down and just annihilated in this head-to-head competition. We can try to prevent there from being debates, but that's just not going to fly. The American people, there's going to be some sort of video debate or something. Like there's not a there's not a scenario in which the average person is going to be okay uh, with there not being a debate. Maybe not a physical debate, but there's going to be something. And Trump is going to annihilate the guy. There's just no two ways about it. If he if Biden picks his VP choice and it's not something or someone I should say who is uh, energizing or they think can can help carry this thing home, then they start looking at the reality that they may not win the presidency, they may not win the Senate, and they may lose the House of Representatives. That is an unacceptable solution or conclusion outcome for the Democratic Party. And so they will, in fact, as Dr. Hansen points out, do something. Now, he says there's a 30% chance of that. I don't know. I defer to him on that. But I do know that... I don't put anything past these folks. Rules are meant for suckers. <laughs> Rules, look at what the Democrat Party did just four years ago with, with Hillary and Bernie. Who was getting interview questions fed to them, excuse me, debate questions fed to them before debates? It wasn't Bernie. And by the way, Bernie fans, if you're out there, your guy, he's not going to be the nominee. I don't care what happens. I don't care if every other person that's been asked to be the replacement if we get to that point for for joe biden says no there he's still not on the list he is not going to be the nominee the party establishment the folks with money will not allow this absolutely unequivocally no question here gotta take a time out listening to conservative not better talk i'm your host todd huff back in just a minute That is about all the time we have in our first hour. I hope you again enjoyed our conversation with Dr. Victor Davis Hansen. Indeed, a, a tremendous honor and pleasure for me to be able to to speak with him, have him on the program, shed some light on some things um, historically and his perspective. Uh, look, he's a brilliant, uh, very intelligent, well-informed guy. And I am, uh, again, honored indeed to have him on the program. So love to hear what you think about the interview. You can always let me know at the email, Todd at ToddFShow.com. Let me know on Facebook, all those things. But uh, we'll continue here as we get to the second hour. I'm going to talk about other things in the news, which, of course, there are plenty of. So we'll continue our conversation there. As always, thank you so much for listening. S-D-G. See you in a few. Take care.